that new self is nothing less than the you that you will be for all eternity. It comes from God. It's going towards God. That part of you is going towards resurrected life in heaven. This is why I insist on this in the Lord. Live the Christian life. Live for the sake of each other. When I'm telling you to do this, I'm telling you to do nothing less than live what is already in you. Embrace your eternal life. I insist on that. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is God's word. You know, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians for a while now, and I think at this point, as we're about two-thirds of the way through the book, I think it's worth reminding ourselves and remembering that the book of Ephesians was kind of a unique letter from Paul. It was probably meant to be a circulatory letter, which means that it was addressed and written to the Ephesian congregation, but it was meant to be passed along to the other congregations as well. This is different from some of Paul's other writings, like the letter to the Corinthian congregation. That was a letter that was written to a specific people at a specific time for a very specific reason. And we learn from these two kinds of letters in different ways. From the letter to the Corinthians, we learn about the way that Paul applied God's word to a specific application. 
But then with the letter to the Ephesians, we learn in a different way. Because the book of the Ephesians contains universal principles and universal truths. You might notice this as you read the book, that the book is kind of divided into two chunks. The first chunk contains universal truths about God's plan for salvation. Remember that that famous verse from Ephesians chapter 2, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. But then the the second chunk of the book which we're in right now contains universal principles for living the Christian life, universal principles for our walk with God, for the life of God, as Paul calls it today. As we look at these principles, today is going to be really important. And there are two reasons that I'm going to give you for us to kind of sit up and pay close attention to what Paul has written for us today. The first is that he insists on it. Strong wording for Paul that he doesn't use very often. If he was insisting on anything, on everything, then he wouldn't be insisting on anything, right? He insists today that we listen. As a personal spiritual authority for the Ephesians, he had been their personal pastor for three years. He insists that they pay attention to this. Second reason that we need to be sitting up and paying close attention is that this text is about the life of God. It's about your life. In the specific ways that you live it, in its larger purpose, and in the way you look at its results, this is about the life of God. Right off the bat, there is something provocative going on. In verse 17 here, Paul says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. It's provocative, right? Because who are the Ephesians? They're Gentiles. So Paul has addressed this book to the Ephesians and he's saying, hey, you Gentile Christians, don't be Gentiles anymore. Don't live like Gentiles anymore. Don't live like people you live like, live like. And what does that mean? It means that Paul does not want us to think about life like the Gentiles do. And why is that? It's because Paul says that their thinking has become futile and darkened. And why has it become futile and darkened? It's because Paul says that they are separated from the life of God. And what happens when you're separated from the life of God? It means that life has no transcendence to it at all. There's no larger purpose. There's no bigger picture. It's just you. What you see is what you get. And so life becomes very, very small. It's about you. It's about your wants, your desires, your enjoyment. That's the Gentile life. And that was the Gentile life then, at the time that the Apostle Paul was writing, and it's still the way that the Gentile life goes today. 
There's nothing new under the sun, right? You know, I'm actually growing to feel a very strong conviction uh, about things like this, that if the Apostle Paul were to come and speak to us and write to us today, I think he'd, he'd do his verse 17 like this. I think he'd say, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Americans do, in the futility of their thinking. There was a sociologist who died early in the two, 2000s. His name was Philip Reef, and recently his writings and his ideas have been catching on and, and growing in popularity. And the reason why he's catching on is because he was way ahead of his time in thinking about Western life, American thinking, and what it's all about. 15, 20, 25 years ago, he knew exactly how we were going to be living in 2021. He said that everything is about this. It's about the amplification of self. Life is about your self and your happiness. Because what else is there to be for life to be about, right? Life is about you. I mean, was he right in his observation? Think about the people that you know. Think about what's going on in your own life. What is life about? We start at the beginning. What is education about? Education is about getting the right job. And what is getting the right job about? Getting the right job is about having respect. It's about having purchasing power. It's about having a, a secure place from which you can stand and go and pursue happiness and pursue your truth. And what is sexuality about? Sexuality is about your pleasure and it's about your personal expression. And how do you measure the success of a life? You measure the success of a life by what is left behind about you, how you are remembered. That's the Gentile life. That's exactly the Gentile life. And so you think about what is the Christian life in contrast? Paul told us last week, it's about growing up into Christ, right? Growing up into Christ so that we're not tossed around by the wind and waves. And why else? Why do we want to grow into Christ? It's so that we can have a purpose in our lives. So that we can serve one another. We hear that at the end of last week's text and we hear it at the end of this week's text. Do you know where Paul got that from? He's not making this up. He got this straight from the teaching of Jesus. You go over to Luke chapter 22 and what do you see? You see the disciples there arguing about who among them is the most amplified. And Jesus tells them, stop thinking about that. You know who thinks like that? Gentiles do. They're worried about what, who's the most amplified. They're worried about their own standing. They're worried about themselves. You don't have to be worried about that because I've already taken care of you. You can worry about others now. I know this is a big ask. Paul is calling us to think differently about our lives. 
It's a monumental shift in thinking. What's the Gentile life about? It's about thinking about yourself. What's the Christian life about? It's about thinking about others. It's a monumental shift. And Paul is calling us to change our thinking, and when our thinking change, our outward life changes, right? It affects every single decision. It affects what schools we choose, what careers we choose, what hobbies we choose, what leisure activities we choose, what standards of life we live by. It affects all of that. And we have to press on this as Christians. We just have to. Do you know why we need to press on this, press on living the Christian life, living differently from the Gentile life? It's because the overwhelming majority of Christianity does not do this at all. There is a famous researcher, his name is David Kinnaman, who wrote a book called Unchristian. He went out and he surveyed thousands of people, thousands of people who are outside the church, and he asked them about their impressions of the people inside the church. And, and I, I, I'm guessing that you already know the number one adjective that came up in his surveys. What do you think it was? Hypocrite. The overwhelming majority of people outside the church think that people inside the church are hypocrites. And David Kinnaman wanted to know if that was a fair assumption or if it was just something that's easy for people to say. And so he did another study. He surveyed thousands more people who are inside the church. He surveyed them about their behavior. And do you know what he found? He found that Christians are just as likely to bet and gamble, to drink until they're drunk, to lie, to steal, to cheat, to sleep around, to get in a fight, to watch pornography. He found that the difference in behavior between Christians and non-Christians is negligible, if not just nothing. And so we got to push on that as Christians. Paul is calling us to do that. He is insisting that we do not live the Gentile life. And I know how big of an ask that is. I know how hard it is to think that way and live that way, different from the rest of the world, especially right now when you live differently from the rest of the world so often the world comes after you. It's a big ask. It's, it's a huge ask. But it's worth it. We know about our sinful natures. We know what our sinful natures do, that they will always be a part of us and they will always be in us telling us to live our lives for ourselves in a way that leads from ourselves to ourselves into darkness. Paul tells us what to do with those old selves. He says we need to take them off and put on the new selves. Martin Luther felt really strongly about this too. He was always kind of fiery in his language, but when it comes to talking about the sinful nature, he was downright violent in his language. Do you know what he said about what we got to do with our sinful natures every single day? 
We have to drown them. Put them to death. Murder them because he knew that. He knew that if we don't put our sinful natures to death, our sinful natures are going to put us to death. Here's where this whole sermon has been going. Why does the Apostle Paul insist that we live the Christian life and that we leave the Gentile life behind, that we take the old self off? Why does Martin Luther talk about murdering our sinful nature? It's because they want you to have life. A real life, a meaningful life, a peaceful life, the life of God. They want to give you that because they know that the Gentile life leads from the self and it leads to the self. It is a vicious cycle of darkness and futility that is separated from God and they know, they know that the life of God, where does it come from? It comes from God. It is created by the Holy Spirit in faith. And where does it lead? It leads to a life in heaven with God himself. Take your old self off. I insist on that. Put the new self on. I want that for you and you you want that for you too, right? You want to live a life that is peaceful. A life that is courageous. A life that is meaningful. A life that is full of hope in Jesus. Take the old self off. Put the new self on. I insist on that for you. Do you realize what is living in you already? What that faith in you has created? It has created that that new self in you. And do, do you know what that new you is about? That new you is the you that is going to live forever. That new self is the eternal you that is beginning in you. That new self is nothing less than the you that you will be for all eternity. It comes from God. It's going towards God. That part of you is going towards resurrected life in heaven. This is why I insist on this in the Lord. Live the Christian life. Live for the sake of each other. When I'm telling you to do this, I'm telling you to do nothing less than live what is already in you. Embrace your eternal life. I insist on that. Do not live like the Gentiles live. Take your old self off. Put your new self on because the new self comes from God and it goes to God because finally that is the life of God. And there is no other life. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even now your people are being renewed in Jesus. 
recreate recreated now in righteousness and holiness like God. Lord, empower your people today to live this Christian life that you have called us into in Jesus' name. I pray this in your powerful name.